God willing, we're going to complete the, the book of Jude. So we're going to focus on the last two verses in the book of Jude. Go all the way into your Bible, back up a little bit from Revelation into the small epistle of Jude. But now here we have this portion before us at the end of the epistle of Jude. This is, this is my favorite doxology in all of the Bible. And yes, you're allowed to have favorites. It doesn't mean the rest of the conclusions in the word of God aren't good. But look at this. This conclusion is incredibly comforting. When you look at this little letter, the Lord intends to lift you up with the truth that is included here. It is so to the point, yet it is um, incredibly profound. It's so practical. And when I bring my, my number one worry to the truth of these verses, they're washed away in worship. Let us read together Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Jesus the one who is to be worshipped. This passage is a passage of awe. It's a passage of praise. And if we study these two verses and we come away not worshipping, then we've missed the point. Look at what the text says. He's worthy of worship. It's due to him. We're to overflow, not to us, Lord, but unto you, now unto him, now unto our almighty God, now unto the Lord Jesus. Adoration flowing from our hearts to our Savior and to our Keeper. All of the, the majesty, all of the dominion, meaning authority, all of the power be to Him. There are some truths certainly to take home, but don't miss worshiping the Lord. Here, the truth here. It is the worship that is going on in heaven, isn't it? We get a glimpse from the Apostle John in the very next book, the book of Revelation, and look at the similarities. Revelation 4.11, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. So it is the worship in heaven, but it's also to be going on right here, right now, in our lives. Look at what the verses say in Jude, both now and forevermore. We adore you, we worship you, now to you who is able, today, right now, both today and forevermore, on, in, and through eternity. Don't let the worship stop. If anyone comes away from this passage not worshiping, they're missing the point. I don't want to miss the point. The Lord deserves the worship, literally meaning worship. He is worth it. It is due to him because he is holy. No one else is like him. Yet this passage also extols our God for his lordship and for being our savior, for his keeping power and for our redemption. So first of all, we learn Jesus, the only worshipped. Second of all, Jesus, the able keeper. Did you see it? Did you notice it? That he is able to keep you from stumbling. That he's able to keep you from falling. Falling into what? Stumbling into what? Into sin. What sin? Well, if we back up a bit in this book 
it lists a lot of sins that we are to pay attention for. We're not to let them creep into our lives. We're not to let the ungodly come into the body of Christ and turn us towards these sins. So let's look at what those sins are. Let's back up a little bit. The first one was immorality. Do you see it there? Certainly, we saw it in verse 4, where it is stated as lewdness. Then go to verse 7. We'll just spend some time looking through the scriptures here, head down, looking at those verses. Verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah, speaking of the immorality of homosexuality. Later on in that verse, having given themselves over to sexual immorality. Now, if you go down to verse 19, these are sensual persons who cause divisions. That's the sin that the Lord is able to keep you from stumbling into. What was another one of the sins that we studied? It's unbelief. Denying the Lord Jesus, I see that in verse 4. Look at the very end of verse 5, where it says, those who did not believe, the sin of unbelief, and that is a sin. So we have immorality, we have unbelief. What else? Rebellion. A warning against that. The Lord can keep you from rebellion. Look at verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. There's a, a lot more about rebellion. If you look at verse 8. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, rejecting authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Then at the end of verse 11, it speaks of the rebellion of Korah. So the sin of rebellion, the Lord is able to keep me in you from the sin of rebellion. Are you ready for three more? What's the next one that we studied? Boasting. Do you see the boasting? It's in verse 12. May we not be like clouds without water or trees without fruit. Like we look really big and great on the outside, but really nothing is being produced like wandering stars, as it says there in 13. Do you see that? Like a falling star. It's supposed to stay shining, but it just fizzles out. Looking like it's going to be wonderful, but really not doing the work, doing a little and talking a lot. Aside from boasting, what else did we see? We saw complaining. That was the fifth one that we studied. And if you look at the complainers, Look at verse 16. These are grumblers and complainers. Complaining is one of the sins that the Lord can keep us from stumbling into. And the next thing we studied was flattery. Not following the flatterer. Look at the end of verse 16. Flattering people to gain advantage. Earlier I mentioned my, my number one worry. And I, I realized that worry is a sin that I'm not supposed to worry. But what is my number one worry? What if I can't change? What if I just stay like this, or even it gets worse? What if those I love so much just sink into their sin? Are they defenseless? Defenseless against their own desires? Is there strength to rise up victoriously? And the answer is yes. He is able to keep you from stumbling. The power is there, and he desires 
to keep us. He can do it and he will do it. He is in the business of changing hearts. That's the God that we serve. That's what he does. He guards us. He protects us. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That's right here, right now. When my own desires, when my flesh, when the call of the world, when the influence to ungodliness comes by, I don't have to fall. You don't have to fall. You have the Lord Jesus who is able and willing to keep you from stumbling into that sin. Backing up into the immorality. Last year, Andy Stanley sponsored an event at his church addressing the LBGTQ plus community and addressing their families. And this event featured speakers in in so-called same-sex marriages. In a sermon following the conference, Andy Stanley, not Charles Stanley, said, living a chaste life is not sustainable for many with same-sex attraction. According to this premise, being pure is impossible. That is not good news. That's bad news. To say that any of us must live out our temptations. We must live out our struggles. In fact, our struggles and our sin and our temptation defines us. It is good news that Christ, that God Almighty can keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the Father, that he can guard, that he can give a new heart. This false notion that God is, can't keep you from stumbling is based upon this, this lie, and it is a lie that says this is biblical, but it's not practical. Well, that turns the good news into bad news. We serve a supernatural God who does supernatural things in our lives. He works in us, and we cannot see it merely from the natural point of view. It's a false notion because it says God Almighty has limited power over sin, which he died to wash away, which he died to free us from. It's a false notion because many of us are living proof that there is victory in Jesus. The issue is that it's so shameful sometimes that we don't even want to talk about it. And I admit that it's not always for the podium. It's not always for the body at large. But there are opportunities in true fellowship and camaraderie when you can share something, the Lord freed me, not a whole lot of people know this. And I'm so ashamed of my sin, and I'm so ashamed that my flesh pulls me back into it sometimes that sometimes I don't declare the truth that he has kept me, that he has guarded me, that he has provided for me every step of the way. Sad, very sad to me. I grew up listening to the radio on the construction site, and we, we weren't usually listening to music then. We were listening to preachers and listening to John MacArthur and Chuck Swindoll and, and Dr. Charles Stanley. And, and he would be so disappointed to see this. You're saying that it's not sustainable. Well, that a pure life is not sustainable. Say that to Christopher 
Yuan, who God has kept from stumbling for many years. Even though he has AIDS, God uses him to teach the truth to thousands, the truth about sexuality, the truth about identity in Christ. He's a professor at Moody Bible Institute, a best-selling author. God has sustained him and has sent him to a hurting generation. Is that the God that you serve? Or does he only free from certain sins? Tell that to Dennis Jernigan, who God has kept from following, raised in a Christian home, yet he stumbled into homosexuality. But moment by moment, day by day, God kept him. Now he's a husband and a father, one of the most influential songwriters in the church. We often sing, we will worship the Lamb of glory. We will worship the King of kings. And with our hands lifted high, we come before him and sing. That's his song. We often sing, you are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. That's the heart that's been kept by the Lord. That's the God that we serve. And as we go down this list, this isn't a limited list. It is any struggle, any temptation that comes into our lives. And as we talk about culture and we talk about society, is that message within us the hope and the protection of Jesus Christ? Don't listen to the enemy, the sifter of your soul. And he says your sins should define you, that you are what you think, that you are what you have done, that you are what you are tempted by, that your destiny is in your downfalls. There is victory available for any vice. That's the God that we serve. Is that the God that you serve? Or is he only able to turn liars into truth tellers? Well, that's that's something honorable. I, I used to be a liar and now I'm more truthful. That's fairly easy to say. Or that he turns cheats into hard workers. If he can't deliver from sin and keep from sin, then he's not worth serving. But oh, he is worth serving and he is able to keep you from falling. Can God make a braggart humble? Well, I've seen him make doubters strong in their faith. And I've seen him make philanderers faithful. I've seen him make really rebellious people respectful. And I admit it, it's, it's not really common for me to see God take a boastful person and turn them into somebody humble. How about complaining, since it's one of the sins on the list? I know of professing Christians who have complained for decades They've been complainers ever since I've known them. Same thing with boasting. Well, what's the issue there? Is it that God can't keep them from boasting? Is it that God can't guard them from being all about themselves? Is it that God can't keep them from being grumblers, murmurers, and complainers? What's usually the issue with those sins? Well, we don't see them as sins sometimes. And therefore, we don't confess them. We don't abandon them. We don't repent And if we don't turn to the Lord and say, I'm abandoning my sin and I'm turning to you, how is he to keep us from falling? Whether that sin is something that's so-called respectable or it's something that we don't even notice. Look, I'm not grateful. In fact, I grumble a whole lot and look for pity from people. That's against God's word. He can keep me from stumbling into complaining over and over again. He can keep me from being a boaster and a bragger in the middle of a self-promoting generation. Guys, listen to me. 
Women do not find it attractive when you talk about yourself all the time. In fact, nobody, nobody finds it attractive. Just give yourself a leg up, even if you're married, and say like, the less we talk about ourselves and what we do, the better off we are, right? The reason we're drawn into the Lord, part of the reason he's so humble, God Almighty laying down his life for us. Let him teach you. Let him teach me humility. The Lord can keep us from stumbling. Some friends of ours, really people that love the Lord, um, they, they lived near us for a while. We had a lot of fellowship with them, and then they ended up moving away. And while they were living here, the, the wife in this couple, she talked too much. I mean, there, that is, she, she just talked incessantly. And she, she did love God, and she was ambitious for ministry. But have you ever been, been hanging out with this kind of couple before? You ask one of them a question, and the other one answers for them, like over and over again. And, and that's who she was. Like he was taking more than one second to answer or he was giving the short answer. She would just run over the top. It was like, and it was pretty brutal. We loved him and we still loved him immensely, but it was, it was, it was like, man, she really needs to just stop dominating everything. That's who she was. So then we moved away. We went to visit him and listen to this. Somebody in their church, some loving, wonderful woman came to the wife, our friend, and told her, you know what? You talk too much. <laughs> and you're running over the top of everybody. And our friend took it to heart and turned from it. And we noticed, even as we visited with her before she told Michelle this, she's so much different than she used to be. And we were noticing like something about her character. The Lord kept her, even in something seemingly small, and changed her because she was willing to say, look, I ought not to do this. This is wrong. The Lord kept her from stumbling. When it comes to drunkenness, do you know how many people the Lord has kept? And it's a shameful thing to talk about. Like a lot of sins are really shameful. He's kept them, and they don't even necessarily want to say that they used to be stumbling all the time, but now the testimony that God has kept them from stumbling is so powerful. Instead of it being hopeless, instead of it being like, this is just who I am, this is just going to be who I am, sometimes you need to share that. Listen to the voice of the Spirit and let him testify through you that the Lord has kept you from stumbling. Now, does it mean as the Lord keeps us from falling that there will not be a battle? No. It does not mean that there won't be struggle or doubt. But if we surrender to sin, there will be no victory over it. If we're waving the white flag to our sin and saying, I'm, I'm yours, how will we escape from our captor? But in Christ, as we come to him and let him do his keeping work, oh, how marvelous that is. I've known both sides, as many of you have. I've known the keeping power of the Lord and I've known my own drifting into rebellion and immorality and shameful sins, the Lord can keep you today, child of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Sometimes we think our sins are so individual, they're so special, they're so different. God tells us in his word, no, there's not a temptation that's actually not common to humankind, to mankind. God is the faithful one. You will not be tempted beyond what you can bear, and he will provide a way of escape. Pray, Lord, open my eyes to the way of escape. You are the keeping God. It is difficult to hear how a person has fallen. Sometimes I just I feel burdened, and I realize it's not my sin to carry, but it's still very dark and very sad. I can't even think of what it would be like to be a priest. Like you, you, you just hear all these sins. By the way, there's one priest right now. He's the high priest. That is Jesus. But to just hear, just I'm, I'm here to confess my sins. Because maybe it's this way for you too. I hear a lot of confess sins, and sometimes we need to confess our sins to one another. And when we hear that sin, it's like, Lord, I, I am... I'm sad, I'm, I'm, like I'm sad enough for my own sin, right? <laughs> but then when we even get a glimpse of, of the sin that has held believers in bondage, it's, it's hard to stomach. But listen to this. To see how God keeps, to hear that testimony, because if you don't hear about the sin, then sometimes you don't get to hear about how the Lord has shielded and guarded sins that are, are never shared because there's too much shame. I understand that. But when the keeping power of God is shared, that is stirring, that's strengthening. And it is biblical and it is practical. So in a world that's telling you, you just need to be whatever you feel. In a world that's telling you, you just need to be whatever you desire right here and right now. The Lord is telling you the truth. I love you, and you're my child. You're not defined by your sins. I can keep you from stumbling. Christian, go back to the times when he has kept you and draw from that and say, Lord, you've done it once. You've done it twice. You've done it way more than that. I know you can do it again. Jesus, the keeper, is he not the keeper? Yes, he is. Keep you from stumbling. Now the word also tells us that he presents you faultless before the presence of the Father. Now, I have heard some preachers make this section only about heaven. We will be pure in heaven. But this presentation to the Father is also for right now because Jesus, the advocate, is making intercession for you. And he is presenting you faultless before the throne with exceeding joy today. Without fault, how can this be that we, so full of faults, can be presented faultless? Let's get this straight. This is not about just dressing up the outside. Michelle and I, when our kids were a lot younger, we really tried to make them look presentable for church. Or whenever we would, would go out someplace. We're going to someplace. We tried to make them look presentable, wash them, comb their hair, Make sure there's not any stains on their shirt and clean shoes, matching and all that. We wanted it to look like somebody cares. 
No, when it, when it comes to our kids. It's long been a pet peeve of mine that you see mom and dad and they're all dolled up, right? They're all cute. They spent a fortune on their hair and their clothes. And then you see their kids and there's boogers, there's stains. It's like, oh yeah, th- those are just our kids. I just don't think that's right. Take, take care of your kids, right? I remember though, True was a toddler when the playground went in here. 15 now, a toddler back then. And part of the reason there was like this debate over the playground, believe it or not, like, should we really do this? It'll be too much fun at church, you know? (laughs) The kids were already playing anyways, and, you know, sticks and rocks and weeds and running all over the place. It's like, well, at least if there's a playground, maybe they'll focus in on an area and we can keep track of them, right? So he would get to church as a toddler, all the kids would, and if you remember, if you were here in those days, True would show up and he loved to wear a suit jacket. I mean, he looked pretty sweet when it all started, right? He was all clean. His hair was, it was like, man, he was, he was decked out, right? But by the time we left, it looked like nobody loved him. It looked like he was doing the worm in the mud. I mean, he, had, he would come home with bark in his pockets. Why do you bring bark home? I don't know. Like candy in his hair. How do you get, you get candy from your teacher and you just smear it around your hair and he just, so there was not a whole lot we could do to make him look presentable. It was just an outside thing, right? And then his true colors would show up, right? You'd see who he really is. When it says present you faultless, this is not an outward presentation. You might think, oh, he makes me look good when I'm really not. He brings it up and says, okay, I'm going to get you dolled up because we got somewhere to go and we're going to present you as pure. We're going to present you as, as cute when you're really not. That's not it. God's presentation is not like that. How can we possibly be presented without fault? That's what the word says to me, spoken by the Lord to me and to you. How can this be? Because there's a substitution, isn't there? We're not just spiffed up. This is the son saying to the father, my child is faultless because I'm faultless. I'm standing in the gap for him. I am her righteousness. I am his righteousness. That is your presentation before Jesus. We've learned a lot about a a smattering of sins from unbelief to immorality to rebellion to complaining. Well, there was also a smattering of blood, the blood of the Holy Lamb of God. Jesus was scourged with a whip. And as they beat him and then pulled his flesh off of him, it was an unimaginable mess, just like our sin. It was unimaginably grotesque, just like our sin. He bled for your sins from the brow in the garden as he agonized. Before he was even hit one time, before he, was, he received the crown of thorns, he sweated drops of blood because your sin and my sin is huge. 
It's more than we can fathom. He prayed for your ignorant sins as he hung there by spikes. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What a mess. The Lamb of God, the Holy Lamb of God, bleeding and being beaten and having his body broken. Why? Because our sin needed to be paid for. And for you or anybody to come and say, my sin is greater than the cross. My sin is deeper than the cross. God doesn't get it. He doesn't know my struggles. My friend, he does. He came and he was tempted in every point, yet he was sinless. The Word of God tells us that. And then he gave his life. Christian, if you are his, you are his if you're a Christian, he is able to keep you from falling and he is able to present you faultless. That's Lord and Savior, isn't it? When he's the Lord of your life, he keeps you. And you keep coming back to him and saying, Lord, refine me, govern me, control me. You're my master. You're my savior. You present me faultless. I have open communion with you. How amazing is that? The word says here that he presents you faultless with exceeding joy. Look at this. Jesus isn't just a somber savior. He is a rejoicing savior. He is leaping and jumping and crying out with a voice of rejoicing over your salvation. I practice this Greek word. Agaliasis is great joy. It's that phrase that you see in your Bible. Agaliasis. It means extreme joy, often accompanied by words or bodily movements, such as jumping and smiling literally meaning with exultation as of those who leap for joy. This word is often used in poetry, in music, thus before his presence with singing. So this is the singing, the hand-waving, the stomping, and the clapping like the kids when they worship. Jesus is not just a serious Savior. He is an exuberant Savior. This is like changes my mind and my perspective about who God is. I just picture Jesus as being super serious. And it says here that he's leaping and he's crying out because you're saved and because you're righteous with his righteousness. That is Jesus's heart attitude for me and for you as he presents us faultless before the Father with exceeding joy, with singing, with leaping, with shouting. Now, it's hard to celebrate without music. Have you noticed this when People have a party. There's almost always music there, right? You, they, they, win, they win the game and all the confetti drops from the ceiling. It's like, boom, the music just happens, right? It's hard to have a birthday party without music. It's hard to have a wedding without music. It's just God made it so it's like it just leaps out of us. And yes, you and I are to sing and to worship and to praise, but this is God singing. This is God celebrating. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. That's my Jesus. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. 
I'm just going to, there's that totally famous song I can only imagine. What am I going to do when I get to heaven? What's it going to be like? Am I going to dance? Am I going to sing? There's a little glimpse. I'm just going to listen. He will quiet you with his love. I'm just going to listen to the Lord. In his, in his rejoicing over your salvation and my salvation, that he has purchased us with his blood. Are you going to let him keep you today? Are you going to let him sing over you? Because there, there is a matter of the will here, and he's drawing you in, saying, I want to present you faultless. I want you to have my righteousness. I want you to have it so badly that I gave my life on the cross. It's not just like, well, you know, if, take it or leave it. No, I gave my life for you. Receive it. We sense it now, but in heaven, your eyes will see it. Everyone in heaven will be perfect. No faults. Nobody will be able to enter in with faults. Holy God, holy people. No pollution, no contamination, spotless because of the rejoicing Redeemer. That is our Lord and that is our Savior. That is hope. That is good news. Is it not? Where I stand, who I am, is not my sin. It's the righteousness of Jesus. How you can live, how I can live, is in his strength, not just in our own. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, thank you for being a shield about me. I don't have any glory without you. You're the glory. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. All I have is shame apart from you. Today, to be with your people, to be with those who you've kept, to be with those who you have redeemed, there's nothing else like it, Lord. May we rejoice knowing that you're rejoicing. May we cry out because we know that you sing over us. Lord, I, I pray that the call would be received today. That as you remind us of your sacrifice, there wouldn't just be listeners, but there would be those that, that believe. Lord, give them the faith to believe just now. I pray that no one would leave this place not right with you, not saved, not presented faultless, not kept. Lord, I pray that we'd stop trying to save face, we'd stop trying to look good, and just declare that you're the only one who's good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.